Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Week two, we are back. Out of gold, extra point. A lot of extra points from Saturday's game against South Florida. Final, number seven, Notre Dame, 52. Overmatched South Florida, zero. In front of a near-capacity crowd. It's bizarre to even say it. 10,085 fans in this pandemic era at Notre Dame Stadium. My name is Tom Noy. I'm joined by my Notre Dame insider colleague, Carter Carls. We're talking the Irish and the Bulls. What a fre- what a breath of fresh air Saturday was, wasn't it? After the after the hand wringing of, of the opener against Duke, starting slow. What's going on? Are they better than this? Everybody relax. It's fifty two to nothing. Yeah, I mean, you would have to be quite the pessimist to <laughs> dwell on the negatives after this one. I mean, USF they stink. I've, I've found myself many times during the game saying, USF stinks, but this positive thing is happening. Uh, but a lot of positives for sure from that game. A lot of positives, but kind of a bombshell when we're sitting here. I'm making lunch. I'm like, okay, it's now about 90 minutes. I got my pregame run in yesterday morning. Again, the majority of us are covering these games from our couches. Tyler James, our ND Insider colleague, was the only member of the South and Tribune in the press box. The rest of us are at home because of social distancing rules at Notre Dame. So I go for my pregame run, get my six miles in, come back, I'll make some lunch. Not much is going on. What's going to be happening? It's 90 minutes before kickoff. I make up lunch, and then I hit Twitter, and then the bombshell drops, or potential bombshell. Like, if, if you're going to miss all these guys – the announcement from the University of Notre Dame, eight players, Kyle Hamilton, Brendan Clark, Tariq Bracey, Lawrence Keyes III, Shane Simon, Maris, Le- Leuf- Maris Leofau, Ogie Agufu, and Jameer Smith, all out. Now, Notre Dame does not say and, and say, okay, this guy's out because of a knee. Like, Kyle Hamilton was the only guy that we thought was going to miss the game. He was – he was questionable most of the week because of an ankle injury, but they do not differentiate that Kyle Hamilton's out with an injury and the, the, the remaining seven guys are going to be out because of coronavirus protocols or uh, isolation or quarantine or whatever. So those other seven guys, they were not on any injury report last week. They were not talked about on Thursday when we met with Brian Kelly via Zoom for the last time as being in doubt. But about 1 o'clock on Saturday afternoon, we get the press release. Here's eight guys that are out for South Florida. If they're going to miss a game, and all, uh, most of them, except for Jameer Smith, they're all one or two or 1A or 1B on the depth chart. That wipes out eight guys right there. If you're going to miss a game, you might as well miss it against South Florida, probably the worst team that Notre Dame is going to play this year. Yeah, and, and it was 
interesting to see some guys that we've been hearing about and really wanting to see play. Uh, you think Houston Griffith at safety, the true freshman corner that's been getting a lot of hype. Clarence Lewis made some plays. Uh, we saw Drew Pine as a backup quarterback get lots of action. So a lot of guys that maybe not normally would play or kind of needed their chance before getting playing time, Jack Kaiser. Um, Your man. I mean, now now there's some conversation. Well, did Jack Kaiser earn himself a larger role? Did Clarence Lewis earn himself a larger role? What will it look like going forward? Or is this just a horrible team and there's not much you can take away? I, I, sit, I tend to be more optimistic. I think there were some positive takeaways. I'm not going to go, you know, Sebo Flemister for Heisman on everyone, but uh, – Sebo Flemister for ACC Player of the Week? Huh? Uh, what do he do? What do he do? 13 carries, 127 yards, one touchdown. And the, the USA Network announcers kept talking about how Sebo Flemister maybe had a, he played with a little bit of an edge about him because he got a DNP CD the previous week against Duke. But Brian Kelly's told us last week that Flemister was still having issues with a collarbone injury that was lingering either through the offseason or preseason camp as one of the reasons he didn't play. So we get we, we get a big helping of Kyron Williams week one against Duke. We get a bigger helping of Sebo Flemister week two against South Florida. Yeah, just overall the offense was so much better. I, I like the play calling from Tommy Reese. You know, they, they come out immediately and, you know, just from an analytical, from a new age standpoint, really liked it. You know, lots of play action, lots of passing right away. Um, they got the ball out of hands from Ian Book quick. You know, he was making quick decisions instead of, you know, holding it in the pocket for too long. This is at the very beginning of the game. And they didn't establish the run to establish the pass. They did the opposite. You know, they ran the ball a lot, and Tommy Reese runs the ball a lot. But to start the game, I mean, Ian Book probably had six or seven passes on that first drive, and then they kind of established the run. They took their shots had a lot of explosive plays. Just thought there was a lot to like from the offense in general. Certainly, Book and the wide receivers, it's going to continue to be a little bit of a concern. But <laughs> a, a little bit? Just a, just a little bit? For sure. But, but also another thing that they did differently this game, I think Tommy Reese decided, look, okay, yeah, the wide receiver is an issue. So we're going to – Put our best playmakers on the field. We're going to put three, two, sometimes four tight ends on the field. Mm -hmm. They call it 12 personnel, 13 personnel, where you got one running back, two or three tight ends. That is the winning formula for this offense because when you got guys like Michael Mayer, Tommy Trimble out there, that opens up this offense a lot. Saturday was, a, was an infomercial for Tommy Trimble, your guy. It was, it, was, it was a Tommy Tremble infomercial the entire day. Tony Dungy, I think Tony Dungy's going to pack him up and take him out to the NFL if he, want, if he had the chance to today. Like, Tommy Tremble's doing everything. He's catching passes. He's lining up as a fullback on the goal line situation, wiping out defenders so Chris Tyree can get in the end zone. Like, it was all Tommy Tremble. Like, the, the, I think they had an ISO camera on number 24 yesterday. What's Tommy Tremble doing now? Where is he? What's he doing? Lining up, doing this, doing that. So, yeah, like you said, the wide receivers, we'll get to them maybe a little later, but lining up with four tight ends, 
They scored – Notre Dame scores two touchdowns. Basically, the first eight minutes of the game, and it's over. Like, they go down that first drive, and, and they score. They make it look so easy. Tommy Reese seems like he's in a groove, play calling. Anything that he dials up out of the playbook that Ian Book is going to run, it, it, it looked like – it almost looked like the offense was moving down the field in a, a July a workout at LaBar practice fields. Like, Ian Book's just so comfortable in the pocket. He's going to this guy. He's finding that guy. And the minute it's 14 nothing, you're thinking, okay, how many points are they going to score? Like, they could, they, could go, they could easily go for 60 if they wanted to. So, good day for the offense all the way around. Ian Book, yeah, he was still, he was still just all right. Ian Book goes 12-19, 144 yards, no touchdowns. But I think the biggest takeaway from Ian Book as we move forward here into week three and they go on the road, Saturday against Wake Forest is he made all those layups, the easy passes that he missed the previous week against Duke. He made those on Saturday. And again, it's USF. But what I like is just how different the offense looks compared to last year. You know, we, we thought, well, maybe this will be pretty similar to last year. I, I, don't, I don't know because when you think about it, you know, we talked with Liam Eikenberg last week. They completely changed their blocking scheme. They were more pin and pull last year. Now it's outside zone. Tommy Reese believed that this offensive line was more athletic than it was and that they could handle those responsibilities and, and really get after it. And that's what they've been doing. And they've been involving the tight ends. I think with the leaps Tommy Trimble has made as a blocker, it's allowed this offensive line and this running game to work in ways it never had before. Chip Long, I think he tried to make Ian Book something that he wasn't. You know, he thought he had this arm that was capable of making all these explosive plays, and, and he really wanted him to uh, – wanted to put a lot on Ian Book. And I just don't know if, if that's possible, especially when you don't have a running game to really match that. Now Ian Book – has a lot less pressure if the running game can work the way it's working. Now we're going to see what happens against improved competition, but I think the scheme is more suitable for this offense. And just with Tommy Trimble, it's, it's pretty remarkable the, the strides he's made. Cause last year, you know, he said he played at 225 pounds and that right now he's playing at 252 pounds. And I remember talking with, with people close to him last year and, and they talked about how, you know, he, he had a lot of struggles early on in his career. Um, he was kind of that skinny guy, three-star recruit, couldn't block, couldn't really do anything other than catch passes, run routes. And and he was also a guy who had this huge vomiting problem. Uh, I, I, really? wrote, I wrote about that last year. He, he, he It's too he, early in the morning to talk about that. Well, he, he just he, – he didn't – it wasn't coming together for him. And I remember when we watched practices, we'd go, man – Chip Long has something against this guy because he, he is – He was all over him. After him. And it has come together for him. He has come a long way in a short amount of time. And you think the sky is the limit for this kid. And to have a guy like Michael Mayer to match with him makes this offense dynamic when they've got multiple tight ends on the field. Okay, we talk about the, uh, we talk about the tight ends. We talk about the running backs. We talk about Ian Book. The offensive line, yeah, I think they played a little. They played Saturday with a little something to prove. After they go seven to sixteen on third down against Duke, they converted their first six 
third down opportunities into first downs on Saturday. Yeah, they finished 8 of 14, but a lot of that is after halftime when you're up 35 nothing. You're moving different guys into the rotation. Maybe the, the, the continuity is not there as, as much as it should be with the starters. But I'll take six, to, six for six to start with this offensive line, given what we saw from them last week. Yeah, and, and kind of the two biggest things I looked at were how are they in short yardage and how explosive is the running game? We have been seeing since last week Notre Dame in short yardage situations, something that they really struggled in last year, they've, they've done pretty well at. And, and then explosively, they're getting a lot of 15 to 20-yard runs uh, from these running backs. We saw four different running backs score a touchdown yesterday you're seeing variants you're seeing uh you know the difference between Kyron Williams Sebo Flemister Chris Tyree Jafar Armstrong they're all different and I think that adds something to this running game and I don't think all four of them can do what they did against better competition but having that variance maybe makes the running game more unpredictable and more explosive this is how different this offense is and maybe again we do have to couch everything that we've seen on Saturdays by saying we didn't see – there was no spring practice. We didn't see any any of fall practice. We don't know what the injury situation is or the, the the coronavirus situation is. But here's Jafar Armstrong, who was the starter last year in the first game against Louisville. Jafar Armstrong, he, he's getting mop-up carries against South Florida in the second half. Now, like, we're going we're gonna to put – we're going to rest Kyron Williams – we're going to rest Chris Tyree. Sebo Flemister did his damage early. He's going to get the fourth quarter off. Here's Jafar Armstrong, the first-string guy last year. He's the fourth-string guy against South Florida. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And I still think he can have a role in this offense, at least as like a passing running back. I have always wondered – the backfield. Yeah, I've always wondered if it would be more beneficial for him to move him to wide receiver because of the issues Notre Dame's had at wide receiver and just because of how dynamic he can be in space. He's a pretty good athlete, Mm -hmm. and I just don't know if he's been playing out of position at running back. Uh, So might be something to think about, but even if they don't move him, I still think he is a guy who can make a play or two in a big game for you. So. I wouldn't, I wouldn't sleep on him just yet, uh, but this is definitely Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree's backfield. I got one word for the wide receivers written, written down here. You know what it is? Underwhelming. Here on my sheet, underwhelming. <laughs> Wolf. W-O-O-F with an exclamation point. Like, okay, I know Kevin Austin's out with an injury. I know Lawrence Keyes is out with undisclosed situation. Ben Skoranek out with the hamstring. But, man, Braden Lindsey back with the hamstring. Maybe not totally back 100%, but he's your leading wide receiver yesterday against that defense, against that team. Braden Lindsey catches three passes for 34 yards. And last week's flavor of the preseason, Joe Wilkins, this, this is what drives me nuts sometimes about Notre Dame is – you get a guy that that has a that that has a bust out performance. Joe Wilkins, four catches for forty something yards. His first four catches of his career looked pretty good doing it last week. You and I had the same amount of catches Saturday as Joe Wilkins did. 
Like, how, what, what happens? Like, we're, go back to the guy, especially when you're missing all those wide receivers because of different situations. Shouldn't you go back to a guy that, that showed, hey, I did something last week. Instead, he gets nothing. Yeah, it, I mean, really the only guy I was impressed with at times was Braden Lindsey. Just he had a couple of nice catches down the field, and I think he is the guy that brings the most explosive play opportunities for the offense when it comes to wide receiver. And, you know, getting Kevin Austin back will help. But right now, I mean, fortunately for Notre Dame, I don't think it'll be too much of an issue because you got Wake Forest next week. you got a bye week after that, Florida State after that. The schedule's not that great. Uh, it's, the schedule's pretty weak, at least at the beginning of the year. So I think they can afford the injuries and the issues there. But it's only a matter of time before that, that catches up to you. And so definitely the weak point of this off, offense, you know, you think of a game like Clemson or against one of those greats where they've got shut down corners, shut down secondary. You know, they're going to be able to stack the box. They're going to be able to match up with the Tommy Trimbles of the world. And you're going to have to prove it in the air. And you're going to have to play from behind to at certain junctures. So if – if that happens against Clemson and, you know, Notre Dame's down 10 points in the fourth quarter, how are they going to be able to come back when the receivers can't create separation? How are they going to be able to come back when Ian Book has no chemistry with his wide receivers? Um, there's no big play in, except with Braden Lindsay at times. So that's the concern for this offense. The, it's the November problem. It's the off. Uh, Future Carter will worry about it. That, that's what I like to say, you know, when I push off my responsibilities. But uh, I think that's the issue going forward to watch with this offense. Ian Book, we'll still see if the offensive line is shaky here and there. But I do think wide receiver is the big thing to watch. True crime lovers are always looking for new and engaging content. The Already Gone podcast covers stories from Michigan and the Great Lakes region. Cases you haven't heard before, like the Mayo Hunters or the murder of 16-year-old Justin Mello, plus better-known cases like the death of Jane Bashara and Illinois' own Lori Dan. Already Gone started in 2016, so there is a big back catalog for you to enjoy. Find Already Gone on Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, or your favorite podcatcher. I would have liked to have seen him at least try to stretch the field vertically against that team. Like, the, if you're going to throw a pick, you throw a pick. It's 52 nothing. That's no big deal. But just to get some sort of confidence in being able to throw the deep ball, I'd rather see it happen against South Florida than, than say, we've got to go do it on the road that next week against Wake Forest, or we got to do it at home against a team like Louisville that are, that's a, a more talented and more athletic. Didn't see anything like that from, from from Notre Dame yesterday, and we also didn't see anything from freshman Jordan Johnson. Nope. Hello. Welcome to college, Jordan Johnson. Five-star guy from St. Louis. Everybody's wondering, you've got all these issues at wide receiver first, weekend, first week against Duke. Where is the coveted wide receiver from this, this recruiting class? We got our answer against South Florida. We're Brian, Brian Kelly. Not happy with the traits of one Jordan Johnson, even in a blowout game. He got traded. <laughs> and, 
you know, it, he he came in the first couple plays and and put down some really nice blocks, and you're thinking, okay, well, well, you can build off something here. And I think the traits thing is probably the one thing that has kept him off the field because this wide receiver group needs a guy like Jordan Johnson. They do. If 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 it's if there's any year for a guy of for a true freshman to bust into that wide receiver rotation, it's this year, and it's that guy. And, and like when it comes to the on the field aspect, I don't think he's missing anything. He can't, he came in and was delivering blocks. I think if all the receivers, he's probably top three in terms of creating separation might be a hot take, but I just, I truly believe that his route running will be elite when it's all said and done, but it's the traits thing. I mean, we, we, we saw it. Um, and, and, you know, Notre Dame, I think, is more skeptical than other schools about getting freshmen on the field at times. Um, and I think when you, when you have problems like that, it, it, it draws you back even more. But, yeah, it's certainly not what you wanted to see. And, and for a guy who's looking for that opportunity to get playing time, that's not going to do it. And I think he'll still have more opportunities. I think his talent will be great, and he'll have a chance to, you know, make amends. But – in the near future, not looking good for Jordan Johnson, a guy I was really high on, a guy I thought, man, this guy's going to see the field. Uh, I was feeling really good about my Kyron Williams, Tommy Trimble, Michael Mayer picks, Chris Tyree. Jordan Johnson's been the one wrong one from me, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, call it quits just yet. I think he could still make some plays and get some opportunities this season. Absolutely. It's early, and I think it's just a case of Jordan Johnson figuring out this is what life is like as a college football player at the University of Notre Dame. Like, it's hard, and it's going to take more than just the fact that that, that he can run a good route here and there or get a good block here and there. Like you said, it's the traits. It's handling his business off the field, handling his business in the classroom, and still being able to produce at a high level on the football field. So, yeah, we're not writing out or writing Jordan Johnson off just yet, but this is just another missed opportunity to where if he had hit the ground running, he might have been he might have been a go-to guy right now with this offense. Well, Tom, we've we've talked for quite a bit and we haven't talked in depth about Mr. Game Ball Jack Kaiser. Well, we were getting to that. We were going to get to that. We're about halfway through, a little more than halfway through. We're going to j- jump over to the defense. And my, my biggest takeaway from the defense was in a game like that, after all we heard about Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa last week, leading the team in tackles, the guy's a terror, he's all over the place, we barely heard about number six on Saturday because your guy, Jack Kaiser, you have been, <laughs> you have been to southern north-central Indiana, bourbon Indiana, to watch Jack Kaiser play a high school football game when it was like 10 degrees out. Actually, I think you're, you're totally mistaken. I think it was like 40, but the kid from Texas felt like it was 10 degrees when you were sitting watching Jack Kaiser play. All Jack Kaiser does, Jack Kaiser's fourth string as the, day, as the week starts. He's running scout team on, on, on Wednesday, and then he makes his first career start. All he does is come up with eight tackles. Team high eight tackles. And I think the coolest thing about Saturday is the coolest takeaway from Saturday was watching that post-game Zoom press conference and seeing Jack Kaiser bring the game ball with him 
that was that was pretty cool stuff. Yeah, you know, when you're a linebacker, you're having to deal with so many things in the run and in, in coverage. And I think the, the number one key is don't be timid, right? And mm-hmm. and then that's in reading plays, that's in shutting off blocks. But you also want to be correct in what you decide. You can be aggressive, but you can also be foolish. You want to be smart in you know what hole you decide to to fill, where to go. Jack Kaiser checked all those boxes. He was not timid. You would think that for a guy really playing his most valuable snaps ever, his only valuable snaps ever, a guy making his first start, hey, if you don't play well here, probably not playing ever again the rest of the year. He was not timid. He was aggressive. He was shedding off blocks. He was making plays in the backfield. He was all over the place. And, again, it's USF, but you have to think that Jack Kaiser may have earned himself a little bit bigger of a role because, you know, last week we saw a little bit of a rotation. Maris Lufau, Shane Simon, you know, they did okay, but they weren't flashing the way Jack Kaiser did. Um, and I still think those are two players that have a role and will continue to have one. There's a lot of variance there. You know, with Maris Lufau, you get the aggression. With Shane Simon, you get the athleticism. And then with Jack Kaiser, I think it's a combination of things. And, you know, I think the one question there might be, how is he in coverage? I think Jack Lamb played a little bit, and he's been pretty pretty nice in coverage. So a lot of options at Buck linebacker. Uh, but before Saturday, Jack Kaiser was not an option, and he made himself an option for sure. You lose Lufau and Simon, from, and that basically wipes out the depth at Buck linebacker. And that was, that was the one takeaway that I had from the, the, the medical statement that Notre Dame sent, sent out. I'm like, whoa. What are they going to do with that spot? Like, again, we, can, we, we couch it and say it is South Florida, but to lose both your guys the second game of the year at that position and then to have a guy who's, whose career at one point, Brian Kelly said, was in jeopardy because of his hip injury, just step in and do what he did. They talked a lot about number 24 on the offensive side of the ball on Saturday, and that being Tommy Tremble. But I'll tell you, number 24 on the defensive side of the ball, he showed some stuff as well. Yeah, I'll give you some fun Jack Kaiser stats that I, I tweeted out just a, a little bit ago. His middle name is Burley. <laughs> His hometown does not have a stoplight. One flashing yellow light, he says. One flashing yellow light. He was the first Class A player in Indiana history to be Mr. Football in Indiana. Uh, valedictorian of his class. Lots of interesting facts about Jack Kaiser. I thought you might enjoy. But, yeah, I think, I think it was just very surprising. I was not expecting that from him. You know, I, I remember talking with Tom Lemming, a recruiting analyst, about him during the recruiting process. And he said the one player that he reminded him, that reminded him of Jack Kaiser was Drew Tranquil. And I thought that was very high praise. You know, at the time that he said that, I think in the 247 composite rankings – he was second to last um, to Jay Bramlett in the 2019 class. Um, 247 had him as a low three-star, and then at the very last second, they said, oh, by the way, you're a four-star. Rivals (laughs) had him as a three-star. Yeah, they tend to do that. Um, And so, you know, I think 
this was an overlooked recruit from a very small school. When I watched him, he didn't play linebacker in high school. Mm-hmm. He was a quarterback, and he was more of like a three safety, box safety type, kind of had a deep third and, and would just – I mean, he wasn't even all that active defensively because I don't think he wanted to get hurt. And he, he had such a huge role on offense, basically carrying the ball every single play. So his reps were very limited. He came into school pretty undersized, 208, 210. He had the shoulder surgery as an early enrollee um, on a torn labrum. So his start did not go off the way he had hoped. He had to gain weight. He had to learn a position he had never played. He started as a rover and then moved to buck linebacker. So this is a guy who over the last year has had to do a lot of new things and experience a lot of new things. And you have to think he's, you know, going from Royal Center, Indiana to playing Notre Dame football, being all world to nothing. And now he's made himself something again. And again, another guy like Tommy Tremble, 24, that has come a long way in a short amount of time and made something of himself. Be interesting to see what situation unfolds with Jack Kaiser, Buck linebacker. Also be interesting to see what happens moving forward with another guy we kept waiting on and waiting on and waiting on, and that's safety Houston Griffith. Because of Tariq Bracey out, they kind of shuffled the defensive backfield. Brian Kelly wanted to play more guys, especially on the back end. He gets Houston Griffith. Houston Griffith, with his best game, he gets five tackles. Nice to see him show up and show out. Yeah, it was a, it was a good performance from him. Um, I still think Kyle Hamilton, you know, obviously is going to be the guy there. But maybe you have a little bit more of rotation now. Maybe you have more trust. A guy like Houston Griffith mm-hmm. and a guy like DJ Brown to come in. Maybe maybe for third downs you put Sean Crawford at the nickel. Who you know Sean Crawford's probably the best nickel uh, on the team. Uh, you know, when they get in those extra defensive back uh, situations on third and long. So I think you want to have as many options as you want, uh, as you can at defensive back because it opens up more opportunities to have these packages where you can really have add some variance to the defense. And so good to see Houston Griffith um, get some time. Been waiting on him for a long time was a really highly coveted recruit, really played out of position his first couple of years, played nickel, played corner. Now he's at his most suitable position. I think it'll till, still take some time for him to learn. But once he picks it up, we'll see, we'll see what happens. And, uh, but I really like the play that Hamilton and, and Crawford bring, so I don't see him jumping those guys. Yeah, he's, he's not beating out Kyle Hamilton. Like if Kyle oh. Hamilton's healthy, if, if Kyle Hamilton if, – if this is – if, if Saturday's game is against Louisville or maybe even Clemson, I think Kyle Hamilton's playing. Because it's South Florida, you can, you can afford to rest him another week, maybe take care of business early against Wake Forest where he doesn't have to play that many snaps. Then you get a bye week, and then you get a, a 100% healthy Kyle Hamilton moving into the teeth of the, the, the schedule in October and November. So, yeah, Kyle Hamilton, as soon as he's ready to go, He'll be back in that defensive backfield doing Kyle Hamilton, Hamilton things. But just the fact that they're able to rely on a guy like Houston Griffith, the fact that we were able to see Clarence Lewis, like it's, it's nice the first two weeks of the season. Like last year, 
it was always the same guys. It was Ian Book. It was Chase Claypool. It was Cole Komet. It was Alohi Gilman. It was Jalen Elliott, uh, Julian Aquara. Nothing against those guys. Great players, but you wanted to see a different type. You wanted to see it more of a more of a mix, and we've seen that here the first couple of weeks with guys that we, we have not seen play big roles. Kyron Williams, Tommy Tremble, Sebo Flemister, Jack Kaiser, Houston Griffith, Clarence Lewis. That's only going to help this team as we move forward through October and November. Yeah, I mean, you think about the defensive line. They rotate 11 guys in normal circumstances, not in blowouts. Tight end, rotation. Running back, rotation. Linebacker, rotation. Safety, defensive back. So, you know, I think that's good in some ways when you have variance and when you have, you know, situational looks that, that can help you. My only worry is, okay, you know, if if you have the variance, maybe you don't have a certain strength. Maybe it's just kind of a master of none versus jack of all trades thing. And so I think when they start playing improved competition, that'll be something I'll, I'll watch. You know, when the chips are down against Clemson, who are the guys you're putting on defense? Mm-hmm. When, when the chips are down against Clemson, who are your options on offense? Can Kyron Williams be the guy that we've seen these first couple weeks? Or will the offensive line shrink against a, a team like Clemson? That'll be something to watch. A rotation, I think, is beneficial for the makeup of this team. The only worry is who are your guys when it matters most? Anything else? You got anything else? I did like Clarence Lewis. <laughs> uh, I, th- I did think he was a little bit up and down, but they tried to pick on him, and it was not working. Had a few pass breakups. Don't, don't think that he's quite won the starting job over Tariq Gracie or anything. But no. Maybe he has earned himself a spot in the rotation. So we close the book on week two and move ahead. I feel like Bill Belichick, we're, we're, we're on to Wake Forest. We're just, we're just on to Wake Forest. So we'll learn a little bit more about this football team on Saturday. A noon start. We might get adventurous next week and do the podcast on Saturday night since it's a noon start. Ooh. If we're done writing at a decent hour, I'm not, I'm not pointing any fingers but if we're done writing at a decent hour, we may knock this podcast out on Saturday night with a noon start from Wake Forest. This was a game that was supposed to be played in Charlotte. They've moved it back to campus. Kickoff at noon against Wake Forest and in a bye week. So we'll be back next week to talk Wake Forest. How's that sound? Sounds great. Wake Forest is 0-2. I think you keep looking on the schedule and you say, wow, this <laughs> opponent's really bad. And so this should be an opponent – I don't think they're going to be USF, but should be a, a dominating win. And I was watching a little bit of Louisville last night. Oof. They got one of the worst defenses I've seen from a team ranked that high. And so lots of favorable teams on the schedule. The, the two, the three that scare me, if you're Notre Dame, Louisville, North Carolina, Clemson. Uh, but- Pittsburgh? Yeah, and maybe Boston College. Phil Dracovic had a pretty nice game. Uh, but, nah, not really. Uh, I'm not – I wouldn't be too worried about Boston College. But North Carolina, Clemson, Louisville, 
I think it'd be great games. Not not Louisville. Not after last night. Like I think Miami's still Miami's still throwing that uh, screen pass and a guy's <laughs> running for ninety five yards and another touchdown. Like defensively, what are you doing? Every time I turn that game, I was flipping back and forth between that game and the NBA playoff game between Boston and Miami. And every time I flip back to Louisville, Miami, somebody from in a white uniform is running down the length of the sideline for another long touchdown. What are you doing defensively? Come on, you gotta be better than that. I'm a better corner than Louisville's corner. Okay. I'm just I'm just gonna put that out there. If they need a, a cornerback, I can provide my services, but they could probably find a better guy on campus than the guy that they've got out there. Because yeah, I, I, there was that screenplay you're talking about. There was not a guy within 50 yards of them. There wasn't. It was nowhere around. Mm. All right, he is shutdown corner Carter Carls. I am Tom Noy, the South Bend Tribune, and the Insiders. This has been Pot of Gold Extra Point. We recap: Notre Dame fifty-two, South Florida nothing. The Irish moved to two and zero on the season, ranked seventh in the country. They're one and zero in the ACC. Back in action next Saturday, Wake Forest zero and two noon start. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>